Well, I'm excited that you're here, um, partly because you don't have to listen to me today. Um, we have a, a special guest with us this morning, Dave Henry. Um, Dr. Henry from Manhattan Christian College is here, and um, I, I'm excited for you to hear him. He's not just a guest. He's has become a regular um, villain here, and you'll probably see more of him in the future as well. So, um, Dr. Henry, if you would, come on up um, and welcome Dave. Thanks. One of the things that I, I uh, enjoy about coming here is uh, the reality that words matter, and I see that here. I see the care uh, that everybody uses in their words. Um, we see that, I think, mostly in, in songs that we pick uh, or songs that your worship leader picks. Uh, we hear it in prayers. We hear it in uh, things that are said, and, and uh, it just reinforces this idea to me that words really do matter. The words that we choose uh, communicate some amazing kinds of things. And so I want to start off with some um, quotations that you may know, okay? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to start them, and then you can just finish the last part. Deal? Okay, here we go. Uh, the only thing we have to fear is... Yeah. Anybody? Can, who, who's that by? Roosevelt. Right. And so it's one of those statements that, um, you know, it's deeply in, embedded in American history. It's, and, and I think it will be for a long time. I think it's going to be a statement that decades from now, people will still be able to finish that statement. We'll be able to, you know, locate roughly when that was. And, and uh, if you don't know that, if you're sitting here going, what did he just say? Uh, just go home and, and search it uh, later and uh, you'll be able to find out all about that statement. Um, how about this one? Four score and... Listen to you guys. This is really impressive. I, I, I wasn't quite sure on some of these. They're going to get harder, by the way. These are, these are the easy ones, um, which is really interesting that you can finish that statement because do you, most of you know what a score is? It's, it's math is what it is, right? And so uh, go look that one up, too. Before score and seven years ago, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, how about this one? Uh, never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to... So few. It's a, it's a great statement. Now, my guess is the youngest in the room didn't recognize that one. That's Churchill. And that's World War II. And that's one of those statements that's kind of, I think, starting to recede back into our history, unfortunately. It's one of those statements that's, that's kind of getting buried into our collective history. And there's a handful that know it. There were quite a few in the room that knew it. First service, wow, like most everybody knew it. You know, and so you, you, you get this feel a little bit that, that it's starting to move a little bit back into history. Uh, how about this one? My guess is you don't know this one. Be kind for everyone is fighting a hard battle. There's two or three people, I think, that knew it. That's Plato. And now a lot of people have said variations of that, but it seems to be a statement attributed to him far enough back. Or what about this one? What goes up? Absolutely. So that's, that's something we know, and daily life proves that one to us, right? We have all kinds of reminders of that, Sir Isaac Newton. I'm going to give you one more. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Those words are powerful, those words are the kind of words that stand alone in a powerful kind of way. And those are Jesus' words, and they meant something very important to the people who heard them that day. 
They were loaded words. They were words that were spoken in response to something. And here's my hope. My hope is, is that they mean something to us also because our broken world needs peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. See, we have examples of brokenness all around us, right? Easy to see. Not hard to see at all if we're willing to define brokenness in a, in a fairly broad kind of way. And I think it's fair to do that. So here's some examples of brokenness, right? The more obscure ones. Disease. Disease is part of a broken world. It's not God's design. It's not God's intention. But it's a part of our brokenness. Or disaster. Or loss. Or let's get real personal and talk about brokenness here. How about criticism? You ever been broken by criticism? Brokenness is one of those things that we understand. Brokenness is one of those things that we see. It's, it's, it's very readily present to us, and we don't escape it. It's, it's around us so easily, and this week's school shooting in Park, Parkland, Florida, absolutely tells us that. It reminds us once again in a deep, painful way. 17 people deceased. 14 people injured. And a gunman who thought that killing people was a resolution to something? That's brokenness. That's brokenness in a a really dramatic kind of way. And I see that situation and I, I imagine what would it be if there had been a peacemaker who had the right conversation in the right moment and that gunman had heard that conversation and believed in the possibility of peace. We'll never know. But I wonder, those who carry the message of Jesus are peacemakers. Or let's rephrase that. Those who carry the message of Jesus, we are peacemakers. You know how we know that, right? It's an identity statement. It's something that Jesus said to his followers in the midst of a moment when peace is not something that they were looking for. It's a statement that Jesus made in a moment and they needed to hear that statement. It's Jesus' own words. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So let's start with the easy answer. There's an easy answer and then there's a little bit harder answer to this question, to to this idea of being a peacemaker. So here's the easy uh, stance, the easy position that we can take on it is this. Um, At a base level, peacemakers bring relief to the fear of death and eternity. You know why? We carry a message. And we carry a message of salvation that is very real and very important. It is a dramatic message. It is an important message. We know it's an important message. And if you have received that message, you use words in your life like gospel and words like salvation and grace and faith and all of these kinds of words. Because it's something that has become personal to you. This is what Jesus is about. He came to bring peace. And the easy, the base answer to this question is this. It is a message of salvation. And I I hope you felt that. I hope you know that. 
I hope it's a message that because of where you are and all the people that you are surrounded by, I hope this idea that Jesus can bring peace to your guilt and peace to your sin and peace to your eternity. I hope you know that. And if you don't, I'm going to tell you something. You're in the best place you could be right now. You're in the best place that you can be because you are surrounded by people who want you to know that at the base level. That is what Jesus means. But beyond that base level answer, how else are we to be peacemakers? Peacemakers bring healing where there's pain. All kinds of pain, right? We can talk about physical pain. Some of you may be feeling that right now. And you can name why you're feeling that. Maybe it's emotional pain. Maybe it's social pain. Maybe it's economic pain. When the month outlasts your paycheck. Those are examples of pain. And a lot of times we don't think in terms of what God can do within us and the peace that he brings us in terms of healing pain. And yet peacemakers bring healing where there's pain. Peacemakers speak truth where there are lies. And we are surrounded by lies. We're surrounded by lies all the time. Lies about ourselves, lies about truth, lies maybe about worth, lies about what's to come in eternity, lies about the present. Peacemakers instill hope where there's despair. That's probably the one that resonates the most with us this week because of what's happened nationally this week. But peacemakers have the ability to bring peace where there is loss or hopelessness or depression. Or See, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I want you to hear what it is that Jesus' followers would have heard on the day that he said those words. And that's really hard to do. You know, we live in a different moment and, you know, huge gap in time and everything. But just for a moment, try to hear this the way that Jesus' followers may have heard this. Jesus was in his home region of Galilee. And so it's a, it's a, a big rural area with a whole bunch of small towns all over the place. And the crowds are just swelling around him. They're becoming huge because Jesus is amazing, right? Just read a gospel, Read, read through any of the Gospels, and you'll, you'll see the Gospel writers talk about this, that everywhere he went, that you know, the crowds are getting bigger and bigger. And, and he gets to where he can't go in the towns because the crowds are so big, and it's, it's just too compressed with the buildings being close together and the roads being small and the crowds are big. And so we start finding Jesus out in these big open spaces, and we run into things you know, like the Sermon on the Mount and, and things like this where he's, he's out in these open areas, and the crowds are amazing because Jesus is healing people, and he's driving demons out of people, and though, that kind of stuff draws a crowd. And here they all are, and they're here expecting something from Jesus. And here's what they expected. Jesus could be the one that could set them free from political oppression. Because they were oppressed. They were oppressed in a really difficult kind of way, in a really frustrating kind of way, and in a way that went on for decades and decades and decades. So they were ready for somebody to do something. And hey, who better than the guy who can do miracles? So here they are with expectation. Jesus could be the one sent from God 
to lead the people. All kinds of promise in scripture about that. So they're primed and they're ready. Jesus could be the mighty one who could restore Israel to all of its glory, right? Political fervor, religious fervor. He, he could be that kind of guy. And Jesus could be, right? Just insert anything you want because we do the same thing. What could Jesus possibly be? And our expectations could be huge. And their expectations for Jesus were so big. They had tremendous expectations for what Jesus could be moments before he shared those words. And so in the midst of those expectations, Jesus cast a new idea. And it goes something like this. What could be beyond their hopes and expectations? What could be beyond their pain and dismay? And he lays this picture in front of them. And this is what it sounds like. We call it the Beatitudes. It sounds like this. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Here's the question that Jesus is really posing to them. Here's the idea that I think Jesus really wanted them to understand in the midst of all of their expectations. They had all of these expectations about him about what he could be for them. And this is what Jesus is saying to them. What could they be if they really knew God? What could they be? How could they live? What could they do? And what could God do through them? And so he poses all of these scenarios to them about being meek. Not being peacemakers. About being persecuted about being humble, about being pure in heart. And all of those things just cut at the root of their expectations about Jesus. Because he starts to talk to them and he says, no, let's think of it in terms of if God really had you, what could you be? And they could participate in the restoration of God's creation, if only... If only they would see the possibility of what they could be in terms of God working through them. They could participate in a new way of looking at life. They could participate in the restoration of the brokenness of the world. They could be peacemakers. They could be something that made a difference in their world. And if peacemakers bring healing and speak truth and instill hope, then the question is, how? Because doesn't peacemaking sound weak? Doesn't peacemaking sound passive? Some things God gives us, right? 
There are certain things that God just gives us. There are certain gifts that we can only receive. We are given forgiveness. We walk by faith in it, but we're given that. We are given certain things in our life that are great gifts from God. When my children began to believe in Jesus, I was overwhelmed. I really was. I have a 20-year-old daughter and a 16-year-old son. I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed by the reality of what God could do in their life and this gift that God was giving them, this gift of salvation, this gift of forgiveness, this gift of eternity. I was overwhelmed by all of that. And here's one of the reasons why, because I can't give them any of those things. But God could. And I was overwhelmed by the beauty of what it was that God was doing in them because some things God just simply gives us. And some things... God shows us how to bring them about. Some things God shows us how to do. And peace is both a gift, something we get, right? The base answer, but it is also a commitment to a kind of life. It's also a commitment to the kinds of things that God can do through a people who are willing to do. Peace may come with ease. But there are times where peace needs to be made. There are times where peace needs to be caused. There are times where peace needs to be brought about. Peace is a gift to the one who receives it. But being a peacemaker is a commitment to a kind of life. Peacemakers confront sin, but they do it with grace and love. Peacemakers call injustice by name and then imagine a new way to live. It's one thing to yell and scream about something. It's another thing to yell and scream about it and then bring an answer. Peacemakers spend hours listening to others share their pain. It's one of the things that I've learned about being, through being a pastor and just growing up in life is this. There are times that the very best thing I can do, the most peace-giving thing I can do to somebody is just listen to them. It's just listen. Peacemakers act on behalf of those who cannot advocate for themselves. You know what? I wish that was more and more true in our lives as Christians. There are a lot of people without a voice, or at least without a voice that can be heard or listened to. And so many times we as Christians can be peacemakers and we can advocate for those who aren't heard, who don't have a voice that's loud enough. And Jesus says this, blessed are the peacemakers because sometimes peacemaking is hard. Peacemakers keep working at the marriage when the other partner seems to have given up. Because peacemaking is about reconciliation. It is hopeful. Peacemaking comes at different kinds of situations with possibilities of healing, with possibilities of things getting better. And I think sometimes as Christians, we just need to remember we need to be a peacemaker in our home. 
peacemakers model ways of living that produce life and don't cause death and don't cause harm and don't cause difficulty in those around us, but bring life to those people around us. Peacemakers are not afraid to confront what is hard or unsavory or sad or time-consuming. And all of that stuff comes with baggage when you become a peacemaker and you stick your nose in things that are difficult and troubling. But it's what we're called to be. Peacemakers speak life where there only seems to be death. And peacemakers rejoice when a life is changed. And they weep when one is lost. Jesus said, peacemakers would be called children of God. Did you catch that part? All we've been talking about so far is this. Blessed are the peacemakers. And then he says this. For they will be called children of God. Here's why. God is a peacemaker. God is a reconciler. God is the one who makes peace with a creation that chose to break peace. God is the one that throughout all of history and throughout all of scripture is the one who continues to be a peacemaker, continues to be a reconciler. And if we walk in the ways of peace, then we show God to the world. We end up bearing the image of God and we then look like the children of God. And perhaps that is part of what God means when he says that we are made in the image of him. That we kind of look like him. That we bear this resemblance to a God who does great things, who does things that bring about reconciliation and peace. And we are peacemakers because he is a peacemaker for a broken world. Being a peacemaker is a choice, it is a choice every time. Being a peacemaker is a choice. And in any given situation, what kind of peace and what kind of reconciliation can we be? Can we bring? Can we cause? When we hear the word peacemaker, I think maybe at the beginning of this, we're thinking in terms of maybe we. We might imagine that peacemakers overlook things. We might think that peacemakers ignore things, that they don't hold people accountable for choices, that peacemakers will compromise their principles for peace. But that is not the case at all. Peacemakers do the hard work of reconciling people to people and reconciling people to God. Because peacemakers are all about reconciliation. I want you to imagine what being a peacemaker might look like in your life. What it could be. What form it could take within you. And I'm going to pray now. And what I want you to be praying and you to be asking God is this. In what ways could you bring peace to others? Father, we pray that you teach us to be peacemakers, that you teach us not only how to do that, 
but that we have the desires to do that. That you would help us, Father, to bring reconciliation and peace where it needs to be most. Whether that's in ourselves or in those we love or within those we do not yet know. We pray, God, that you help us to be peacemakers because that's what the children of God do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.